This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. I want to give you some examples of the word exousia in Scripture that tells us, uh, gives us that we have um, the legal right. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, did I give you this one? Speaking of Jesus, it says, For he taught them as one having what? Authority. Authority. We know in another place, Jesus said that he had given us that same authority. Is that right? He taught them as one having authority. Exousia. That's the right. And not as the scribes. Uh, I've opened my Bible here rather than on my uh, computer notes. Uh, In Matthew chapter 8, I want you to see something here. Matthew chapter 8, and in verse 5, and this just happens to be in these notes at this time, but I, I just kind of feel like I need to say some things. A couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time on this portion of Scripture, ended up teaching a, a series on this. Are you with me? Verse six or verse five, excuse me. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. That's the word exousia. Okay? For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, can I give you some background here? To help you understand something? I'm sure some of you have probably studied this out, but this centurion was probably a Gentile. Okay, a Roman soldier. He had a certain number of soldiers under him. Uh, I've been to Capernaum where this took place, and not too far away is where the, the Roman garrison was back in those days. He had to come somewhat of a distance. And here he was a Roman soldier going to a Jewish prophet or teacher or rabbi, whatever, looking for help. Okay? It was a a step for him. 
I started reading this because I saw some things over the years that I just didn't think was in perspective enough. We have a tendency when we're teaching on authority, all right, to look at it from a military standpoint. Don't we? Yeah, from a military standpoint. And people will, will say here, see, if you're under authority, okay, if you submit yourself under authority, then you will have authority. And uh, there's a lot of times I think we're missing some vital teaching here simply because we're just, we start thinking like the military. Okay? Which would be all right in this case if you're thinking of a military officer, you being one, speaking to the devil using your God-given authority. Amen? Then I'm all right there. I'm fine with that. But the teaching that we've had in the body of Christ for so long that if you will be in authority in the local church, you then will have authority with God. You've got authority already. <laughs> you don't have to earn the God-given authority that He's given to us in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? I'll give you a better understanding if you listen here. I'll give you a better understanding of what took place here and why Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. Not at all, the, not at all of Israel where the covenants of God were. It was a man from outside the covenants that came in and got his miracle. All right? First of all, what motivated that centurion to even come to Jesus? Okay, belief, that's fine, but there's something else. Hmm? He heard about Jesus. I mean, that, that's true, but that's not the, the real thing that I'm going for. He's believing for a servant, but what would cause that? Faith is fine, but what? Faith won't work unless there's love. I think we should teach authority based on if you really love people, then you will travel long distances to try to get them help. Most Christians won't leave their house or leave their church building to do anything. They're just waiting for the next move of the Spirit so they can go home feeling blessed. It's all about them. Faith works by love. This man had some sort of care, concern, compassion for his servant, and that's what moved him to go get help. That also tells us the kind of leaders we should be. Yeah. But it's more from a family aspect than it is a military aspect. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you want to see somebody strong in faith, uh, watch a mother or a father doing their best to receive healing for their, their son or their daughter. Many parents that would give up their life just so that their child could live. Yes. 
It's an unnatural, it's, an un, it, it, it's, it's a supernatural kind of love that somebody would just... Amen? Do you see that? But what he understood, what the centurion understood, he understood based on authority that Jesus didn't have to come to his house. He said, just speak the word. He says, because I understand the authority of words. Do you see that? And yet in the church is what we have. We have a lot of people that want to be over everybody. And they say some strange things. If you don't submit to me, then God will not answer your prayers. And that's very interesting. I said, that's really interesting. Okay? I've got a lot more I want to say on that, but I'm just going to move on. People, after years and years and years, they won't remember how much money you had, how many vehicles that you owned, how nice your house was. They're not going to remember that. But they will remember if you loved them. When I came out of Ramah, and because of Brother Hagen's reputation in teaching faith, I had people say, make comments and even ask questions. They said, well, they must have taught faith and faith and faith all the time down there. I said, well, they did teach on the subject of faith, but I heard Brother Hagen teach more on love than he did on faith. Amen? The Bible talks about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you'll follow that flow of love through life in reaching out to people, you'll see supernatural things happen all the time. You just follow that eager yearning to help somebody and you'll not lack for testimonies. Amen? Do you see what I'm trying to teach you here? It's not all about being loud and demanding this thing on authority. It's not from a military standpoint. It's based on love. Love will take you places your mind won't allow you to go to. I would always marvel with the students and I would tease them each year when I got close to graduation. I'm always asking them, uh, the students, well, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go and minister once you're done with Ramah? And uh, about half of them said, well, I want to go live someplace where it's warm. They didn't want to be where it snowed. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to be called to some place where it's just, it's just always perfect weather all the time? That place is called heaven. And I heard one young fellow who was very filled with himself. He kept saying, he said, well, I'll, uh, you know, I'm called to do this. And I'm, he says, but wherever I'm called to do it, it's going to be plenty warm. I'm not, none of this snow business. None of that. And I just looked at him and I said, I know a place that's really warm. Yeah. It's amazing how we get wrapped up in ourselves. There are some folks that won't go into the northern parts of the United States because they get snow there, because it, it's cold there. 
They don't go to places like Alaska and northern Canada and, and places where, I mean, who wants to go there? Well, somebody moved by the love of God will. Amen? Go to places nobody else wants to go to? Wouldn't that be marvelous? My first trip to, uh, to Africa back in 1983, I think it was, was over in Kenya. Is that how you pronounce it? Kenya or Kenya? How do you pronounce it? Kenya. Okay. <laughs> and we went up, uh, we had a situation. Uh, I was on a ministry team. I was one of three pastors, and uh, we were working with the, this husband and wife that I had gone to Rango with. And so they wanted me to come along, and I did. And so we all shared the teaching and preaching. It was amazing. We were in places that nobody else was going. Uh, our ministry, uh, our Bible schools that we were doing to train ministers there, we'd go in for three to five days, but in some places there were no buildings. It was out in the bush. Okay? No running water. No electricity. And we'd stay out there. Okay? And so, uh, uh, on one of the trips, uh, we had seen so many things happen instantly. It was amazing. Uh, it was that. You'd go to lay hands on people and they'd get healed before you could touch them. I mean, it was just, people were so open to it. And I wasn't, I honestly was not used to that. And um, I should have been, but I just wasn't. Okay? In the United States, it seems like we have to explain everything. Okay, and then um, I'd get over there and we'd just declare Jesus and things would start happening and I, I'm going, wow, this is wonderful. But there was one situation where, and I still have the photo someplace, I ran across it a few years ago in my boxes of photos, um, uh, of this little girl that was brought. Uh, somebody had to carry her. She's about nine or ten years old. She had this long dress on and they would just bring her and set her down. And uh, she couldn't walk. Her, her legs were terribly deformed. And so we, uh, uh, I didn't know about the situation, but one of the ladies in our group mentioned that, they go, I wonder what's happened to that young lady because we prayed for her. Somebody prayed for her and it didn't seem like anything happened. So we started talking about that. We started getting used to everybody receiving almost instantly. And so uh, one of the local pastors, a Kenya pastor, he was uh, probably six foot seven, extremely tall. He pastored five or six different churches. And he didn't have a vehicle. These were mountain churches. Okay? Um, and he would run from village to village each Sunday to preach in each I'm not that committed. You know what I'm talking about. I was amazed. He's telling us what, uh, and I'm going, <laughs> who can do that? But he would do it. And he would pastor those flocks. He would be there throughout the week. He would run from, of course, he's a big, tall, you know, big, well, he's very slender, but he's very tall. And just, uh, we're, he said, I know who that family is. They're from one of our villages. And they, uh, our leader said, would you take us there? We wanted to find out. We wanted to follow up about this young lady. And so he went out. We got there. As a matter of fact, we got as far as our, our four-wheel drive vehicle could, and we ran out of road. 
and we parked the road and he said if you'll just go up we had to climb up a distance and uh, up the side of this mountain he says there's a building there he says I'll meet you there I'll bring I'll bring that them to you which was about three hours later and so we we're up there waiting and all of a sudden people were coming out of nowhere all of a sudden we look around and there's you know two men would show up and they just you know sit down and watch us and uh, before and I've got photos of this before long there was I think 12 13 uh, people there and most of them wearing their you know their their native animal clothing the men had spears that makes it interesting <laughs> you want to make sure that you get your point across before they get the you know, anyway so I said to our interpreter because there's all these local dialects and okay and so we had to find out who they were and this was a nomadic tribe that moved in and out of northern Kenya up into uh, what's up there Uganda's to this way what's the north there Sudan I'm not, anyway I forget now what it is and so um, uh, they would go and they were a nomadic tribe and so they didn't really have a town that was theirs you know what I'm talking about and so I asked uh, one of our interpreters, I said, would you mind if I went and spoke with those men? And the interpreter said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to talk to him about Jesus. And so uh, we went over there and through the interpreter, I just started telling them about Jesus. And uh, all of them received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Just as easy. Then through the interpreter, I made sure they understood what we're talking about, you know, Three of the men had never heard of Jesus, ever. Ever. We live in a world right now, we think everybody's heard. They haven't heard. They haven't heard. Even in Nigeria, I guarantee you, there's people. In America, in America, there are people out there. They live out so far out that you, you have to really try to find them to get there. People that live in the mountains as far out as they can get, they don't want anything to do with people. But God still loves them. Amen? It's this love that will get you there. Oh, do you want to know what happened to the little girl? I can skip this and tell you later on if you'd like. Well, her parents came. They were not Christians, but they got saved right then. We told them about Jesus, because, and they were weeping because we found out that when the little girl came to the meeting, it was one of her relatives that brought her that was a Christian. They were not Christians. The parents were. They brought her. And we said, well, is there any change in her body? And her parents said, yes. When she came back, she had no more tumors. Well, we didn't know she had tumors. But this girl had tumors all over her body. Under her dress, nobody would know that they were there. But when she came back, they were all disappeared. And they had no idea what had taken place with their daughter. 
Okay? And so then I started talking with the young lady through the interpreter, and I said, your legs. And the parents had just told us that she was born that way, and they're all, they were all twisted. They were all pinned right up behind her, you know, right up close like this, and was never able to move them at all. And, uh, and I, I said to the young lady, I said, can you, uh, I said, has something happened? And she said, yes. I said, can you show me what's happened? So she was leaning uh, kind of on, a, on something, I forget what it was, in this building. It may have been an old chair or something, but they had set her on that. And I said, can you show me what had happened? What happened when, when, uh, since you were prayed for? She said, I can move my legs. I said, can you show us? And her legs were up underneath her like that. And all of a sudden, just right in front of us, her legs came right out like this. Now, she wasn't able to walk yet, but she's on her way. See, the love of God, this authority that we have, is not just to sit in these classes. It's to go. Amen? Amen. Say, well, Brother Bibi, the Lord's not leading me to go. Then wouldn't that conflict with go ye into all the world and preach? Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, where Rama is there, is full of Rama graduates that have never gone anywhere. And yet we have Rama graduates in over 100 countries around the world. Enough of them have gone, but what if all of them have gone? Okay, maybe in another class I'll share some things with you. I know why you're at school right now. I know why God's called you to be here. I know exactly why. And I could explain that to you. And if I get time, if it won't be this weekend, maybe in one of the other weekends, but I can tell you, I could prove it to you beyond a shadow of a doubt why you're here in these classes. Not because I'm here, but there's something on the inside that's eternal. There's a call in your life. All right? And I can prove it to you. I know exactly why you're here. Same thing that's happened to me is happening to you. Amen. So maybe in some year in the future, maybe I'll go to some place. Maybe I'll go to, uh, say, I've been to New Zealand. I've been to Australia. I've been, been to a lot of countries. Uh, how about the South Pole? Antarctica. There are people there. We've had a Rama graduate work there. Okay? But I might be on some field in the future, and guess who I see there? You. You say, that doesn't happen. Indonesia has, I think, the largest Muslim population in the world. And we went in there a few years ago to help start the first Rambo Bible Training Center Indonesia. Okay? And I was teaching one of the first classes, and the, the back door opened up in this uh, building we were in, and 10 Rama graduates walked in. And I had taught all of them in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We just happened to meet up there. It's remarkable, isn't it? 
We're everywhere, okay? But it's the love of God. If you don't care for people, you won't walk across the street to help them. Okay, if you don't care for people, if you don't love people, it's demonstrated by your lifestyle. And so what I'm talking about, whenever I see now the centurion speak the word only, well, there is that wonderful teaching that our words have authority. Amen? But do you see that it took something more than just faith to get him to even come to Jesus? It was that love of God. Okay? Oh, I could tell you other stories. I just, uh, there's just been so many over the years. If you stay at it long enough, you'll see wonderful things. All right, in Matthew chapter 10, am I going too slow with this or is this all right? Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, excuse me, it could be verse 10. My note, uh, here, let me just check. Matthew 10, 10. It could be 10, 10. It's 10-1. Yeah, it's wrong in my notes here. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, is that Matthew 10-1? He gave them what? He gave them exousia, the legal right. Isn't that good? The legal right. Uh, over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. Everyone say heal. heal. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. What does all mean? All. all means all. You might not like that, but it's pretty good, I think. All meaning you can't come up with a sickness or disease that the blood of Jesus hasn't already taken care of. They find new diseases all the time. It makes no difference. I said it makes no difference. All right? All heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, when you think of this, in Matthew chapter 10 there, had Jesus gone to the cross yet? No. no. Had, he had he, he hadn't died there? He hadn't gone into hell to pay the utmost farthing for you and I? He hadn't been risen from the dead? where he then took his own precious blood and took it into the heavenly holy of holies. And there presented his blood and ratified, he fulfilled the old covenant, but ratified a new one. And then he, the Spirit of God was given. Is that right? But those disciples before that, they had authority over all sickness and disease. What do you think we have? We have a better covenant established on better promises. Amen? All right. Satan's already defeated. I said Satan is already defeated. He is already defeated. And we have the victory already. Why would we keep it a secret? Why would we keep it a secret? Why aren't we going into hospitals? Why aren't we going into cancer wards? Why aren't we going into the places where it seems like the devil just has his way all the time? How come we're not going in? Well, that comes back to love again. I said that comes back to love again. 
But to hold this truth to ourselves and never go, never say, never speak. Well, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. If I speak up, maybe somebody will get offended. They will not be in hell five minutes before they are offended that you didn't tell them. Okay? Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, verse 18, saying, All, all exousia, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. What does it go on to say? What does it say? Stay? Why are you at school? Why are you here? Brother Bibi, it's to get as much as I can. Well, that's part of it. But it's also for us to take everything that we have and give it away. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right? Isn't that good? I don't know about you, that stirs me up as much now as it did back when I first was born again. There's something in me that's never gotten old. Never will. I mean, people have been telling me that I'm, I look older than what I did 30 years ago. I don't believe that. How many know that pictures and camera shots can lie? But on the inside, I feel just as new and just as fresh as I did when I was born again in 1970. All right? I just feel just like it just happened yesterday. Amen? And my, my purpose in life hasn't changed. Go ye. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, Pastor Matt Beamer. Have you ever heard of him? When I first met that young man, guess how old he was? Two years old. They were in our church. Yeah, I was his pastor. You didn't know that? See, I'm really old. Because now Pastor Matt, he's getting older. I haven't told him that. I'll break it to him easy, though. <laughs> All right? But I've watched him grow up. I've watched him grow up. When he was in school, I would go to his... He was in sports, and I would go and watch his games. And He, uh, he went to Rama finally, and when he came back out, he, he worked on our staff as the youth minister. But have you ever heard him say, go ye? Guess where he got that from? He got it from the Word of God. Because if it was just me, it wouldn't be enough. You know what I'm saying? If it was just my opinion, I can't take credit for it. It was God that began to reveal, go ye into all the earth. It doesn't surprise me. We have a number of those uh, young people, teenagers from our churches, that are now in full-time ministry. Why? 
Because of the Word of God. Amen? I don't want you to think that I created uh, Pastor Matt. I didn't. (laughs) But we know his family very well. As a matter of fact, I held his sisters, both of his sisters, in my arms when they were newborns. I conducted Pastor Matt and Julie's wedding. I conducted the weddings for his two sisters. I water baptized Pastor Matt in a lake in West Virginia. Or was it Virginia? Virginia, I guess it was. Virginia. We had to travel through West Virginia to get there. Yeah. But what I am most proud about is his love for God's word and then that love of God on the inside that's taken him places. He's constantly asking me, would you come here? Would you go there? Would you do this? It's kind of funny. I'm following after him after all these years. (laughs) And we're workers together. Amen? Isn't that nice? But it's like family. When I look at his family, yeah, that's kind of like my family. And now I look at you and I, you know what? Family. Okay? It's not military. It's not like some of us are generals and you're just the common soldier. You know what I'm talking about? We're all workers together. The best leaders are servants first. The higher the responsibility and title that you have in life should make you more of a servant. Amen? It has to be balanced. Now, I will admit, when I had all those titles, you know, and I was responsible for some things, when it came right down to it, and there was people that had attitudes, and they said, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. It was my responsibility to tell them then, Give me your credentials. Hello? I don't mind doing that if I have to do it. I don't mind doing it because that's... It's part of it. Hello? It's an honor to be part of an organization. Okay? But for somebody to say, no, I can go and do anything I want to. I can act like a sinner and still expect your respect... No, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. Repent, go get fixed, and go get some help someplace. And when you're ready to go again, let's talk again. I don't mind that. I've had to do it. But I'm not going to take my authority and use it to hurt people, to dominate people. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We see too much of that in the church today, all around the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Where was I? Uh, I'm going to give you to, let's see. um, In Luke chapter 4, the devil is tempting Jesus. And the devil said to Jesus, all authority 
Here's the devil talking to Jesus. All, of, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to who, whomever I wish. That's interesting, isn't it? See, when Adam gave up his dominion, when he listened to the devil, when he gave that up, Lucifer, Satan, still has some authority. You know that. Where did that bell come from? There's way too many bells in this place, all right? So just give me my minute. What do I have, 10 minutes now? All right, thank you. Every once in a while, I'll put up how many minutes I have left. Um, but here the temptation was, he was saying to Jesus, he says, I've got all this authority if you'll just do what I say. Are you listening to me? But that word there is exousia. Okay? And in John chapter 1, verse 12, um, I like this. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Is that John 1, 12? He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. The right is exousia. Do you see that name, that word keep picking up? All right. John chapter 17, in another class that I, uh, I do in different places, I, I haven't taught, well, I did teach it last time I was here. Uh, I get into the prayer, uh, Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and uh, amazing portion of scripture, that chapter, where Jesus is praying. In verse 2, he says, as you have given him authority over all flesh, exousia, Jesus, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. You want to see something neat in John chapter 17? I just got to give this to you. How many of you preach on a regular basis? You have, do we have pastors in here? Okay. So if you're looking for a message sometime, just remember this in John chapter 17. Because this is a picture of when Jesus is praying, it shows his authority that what he had and what he gave and what he accomplished. All right? Have you ever noticed in John chapter 17, Jesus said, I have, he said it four times. You ever seen that here? Yes. I have. So somebody else is teaching my notes. Maybe just the Bible. He said in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. That's number one. Number two, I have finished the work. Each one of these points, these statements, you can study out. Find out what caused people to glorify God. Did you know that healing, when people were healed, that's when they glorified God? They didn't glorify God when they were sick and diseased. But healing caused them. When people were fed, when miracles took place, when the dead was raised, then they glorified God. Is that right? Jesus said, I have glorified thee on the earth. Number two, I have finished. Everyone say finished. finished. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. How many think that when he finished it, he finished it? 
Now down in verse 6, he said, I have manifested thy name unto the men. Everyone say name. That name represents authority. I said the name. When he says I've manifested that name, that means he has manifested the name of God. He has manifested the authority of God. Okay? And that's something that we're going to be studying here in, uh, before too long here. And then number four, for I have given unto them the words, everyone say words, that thou gavest me. So it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have manifested thy name unto them. And I have given unto them the word. I was studying this one time, getting ready to teach it the first time. And something on the inside said this. Those are the four things that you should be able to say when you stand in front of Jesus. Sooner or later, you're going to have to give account. Is that right? Like I will. Will we be able to stand there and say, I have glorified thee on the earth? Will we be able to say, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do? I'm not going to stand in judgment for what God's called you to do. Just me. Okay? I have manifested thy name. Will we be able to say that? We're living in a time right now where people don't want to hear the name of Jesus. In the public school systems in the United States, if you say the name of Jesus, you will go to the principal's office. That is true. If you make any reference to Christmas, or if they catch you, a child singing Christmas carols, how am I doing on time? How's our time? Five minutes? Okay. No, no, really. They, they don't allow you. You can say anything else you want to. You can say the name of any other so-called God that you want to, but they don't want to hear that name. I said they don't want to hear that name. But the same way, and I'll show you this later on in the book of Acts, that they were commanded not to teach or preach anymore in that name. Well, folks, this is the day that you need to speak up about the name. Because I'm going to stand in judgment as you will. I have manifested thy name. All right? I gave them the name. And then finally, I've given them the, the words which thou gavest me. It's real important that we say and speak when we're supposed to. All right? For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.